0: The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, from the grave, is an indisputable historical fact. Uh, If you ever get the chance to maybe get a little booklet by Josh McDowell, The Resurrection, Proven Beyond Doubt, it is a wonderful little book just proving to us, uh, not only, of course, we believe it because it's in the scriptures, but he takes it and looked at all the evidence and, and really concludes that. It is the historical fact, above all historical facts, that is most proven uh, uh, as a reality, the resurrection of Christ. Of course, it's also an indispensable truth to the gospel. You cannot preach the gospel fully and accurately without the resurrection of of, of, um, Christ. And it is the infallible hope for us as Christians. Because Christ was raised to life, we will be raised to life. We can have have life. We have the hope uh, of, a, of a resurrection life, of a glorified body. Uh, we have hope not only in this life, but also in the life, life to come. Uh, hope in seeing our loved ones again, those who have passed away. Uh, Spurgeon said that there is something unsettling about the sound of clay falling or rattling on the lid of a coffin. Uh, and that sort of brings a, a, a very vivid picture to our, our minds. But because Christ has been raised from the dead, um, we will be raised from the dead, and we can be certain of that because that is what the Lord promises us in His Word. We also know that we will be like Him when we are raised to life again. In Philippians chapter three, verse twenty, read. Uh, For our citizenship is is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory, by His working through which He is able to even subject all things to Himself. And so today we are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and and. uh, for those who have not noticed, I have been actually preaching on the Resurrection Sundays for the last number of years through 1 Corinthians 15. And we come this morning to 1 Corinthians 15, uh, really speaking about the resurrected body of the believer. Uh, and so I thought it would be good for us to first look at what is the resurrected body of Christ looks like by going through the Gospels before turning to the resurrection Oh, a resurrected body of the believer. So let us pray before we continue. Father, thank you for your word to us, Lord. Thank you that that you are indeed alive, Lord. Thank you that, that uh, you have given us life because we are in you through baptism uh, in faith, the, baptized by your spirit into the body of Christ, Lord. That is what saves us. And because we are in Christ, we have been buried with him. We've died with him. We've been buried with him. And we will be, or we are, um, raised to newness of life, ultimately to receive our resurrected body. Lord, teach us this morning from your word. Encourage us, Lord, I pray. Edify us. Uh, and may your name be glorified uh, through this service as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's first look at the resurrected body of Jesus. Um, and I'm going to just run through a number of passages. I'm not sure whether you will be able to keep up with me, but I'll, the references are up there for, your, uh, for you to look up uh, at, 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 at maybe at, uh, afterwards. Uh, but first of all, I want to say that Christ preached the resurrection of the body, that he uh, prophesied even his own resurrection. Uh, in John 5, 28, he told uh, the Jews, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming, the hour of, of, of judgment. In which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth, those who did the good deeds to resurrection of life, and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. So Christ proclaimed the general resurrection of both the living and the dead, those who believed in him and those who do not. Uh, those who will believe in him will be raised to, to life, and those who refuse to believe in him will be raised. Be judged by him. Secondly, Jesus taught really that that the resurrection is through personal faith in him, the resurrection to life that is. Um, at the death of Lazarus, uh, Jesus, when he finally came to Martha and Mary, Martha came to him and and said, Lord, if if you were here, my my brother would not have died. And 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 Jesus comforted her and says, Your brother will be will, will rise again. And she uh, thought about the final resurrection, what we've mentioned in John 5. Uh, she said, I, I know that he will be, uh, will be raised. But then Jesus moved her from this abstract belief in the resurrection to believe that the resurrection comes to each one of us through a personal faith in Jesus Christ. John 11:25 says, Jesus said to her, Mother, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And so we are called as Christians to believe in the resurrection of Christ, and therefore also in the resurrection of our own bodies. Thirdly, Jesus prophesied to his disciples on a numerous occasions that he will be killed and be raised to life again. On the, the first time we read in Matthew 16, when uh, just after Peter pronounced him uh, by revelation of God to be the Christ, the son of the living God, uh, Jesus began to show them that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day, Matthew 16:21. Jesus said a similar thing to, to, to the Jews, or the Pharisees, rather, and the, and the chief priests. And, uh, sorry, no, it was to the Jews. He says, Dest destroy this sanctuary, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said to this, it took 46 years to build the sanctuary, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the sanctuary of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this and believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. And so this claim by Jesus that he will be raised to life again uh, was not a secret. He, he preached it, he proclaimed it. Even his enemies remembered it at the time of his death when he, they asked the authorities to, to put a, a guard in front of the tomb to prevent his disciples from stealing the body And claiming that he rose from the dead. Matthew 27 says, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days I am to rise again. Therefore give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead. And the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a God. Go, make it secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure. And along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. So they secured the grave. They stationed the guard. They set a seal on the stone that covered the grave. And yet early on the third day, the stone was rolled away. The guards fled. The seal broke. The tomb was empty. Jesus was not. There he rose from the dead. And so let's look at Christ's resurrected body. What was was the nature of his his body? We first see that his body was, that it was his body that was raised. It was not another body, it was not a, a totally new body, but it was his body. The tomb was empty, his body was gone. Jesus did not, as I said, receive a different body. But it was the same body that he had physically on earth. That was not left in the grave. That was no longer there. It is risen. Matthew 28, 5 tells us, The angel answered and said to the women who came to the grave, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here He is risen, just as he said. Come and see where he was lying. He's not here. He's risen. He's he's not lying there anymore. He's gone. He's been raised to life. In John 20, we read, and and the two, that is Peter and John, were running together, and the other disciple ran faster than Peter and came to the tomb first, and then stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, But he did not go in, and so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb and saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth which has been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but folded up in a place by itself. The grave clothes were there, but his body was gone. He was raised to life. And, of course, further evidence that this was Christ, his body, his, own, his, his, his body, the same body that he had during his incarnation is, of course, the visible scars of his crucifixion that was evident to his disciples. Uh, when he first appeared to his disciples, Thomas was not present. And he said, unless I set, see his hands and the imprint of the nails and put my finger in the, side, the place of the nails and put my hand in his sides, I will not believe. And Jesus when he appeared the second time to them he addressed Thomas and said bring your finger here and see my hands bring your hand and put it in my side and do not be unbelieving but believing and of course Thomas exclaimed my lord and my god and so the first point is that was the, the same body that was crucified the same Christ that was Crucified is the one who is raised to life. And his resurrected body was a physical body. It was not a, a spirit or a, that, that has the appearance of, of a body. It had flesh and bones. Luke 24, when Jesus uh, appeared to his disciples, verse 36 now, while they were telling these things, he himself stood there in their midst and said to them, peace to you. And being startled and frightened, they were thinking they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see, I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. So the body that was raised was a physical body. Uh, it had bones. It had flesh. His body could be touched. Uh, we, we read of the women who went to the, to the tomb early on, on the first day. And uh, uh, when, when Jesus appeared to them, he greeted them and he said to them, greetings. And they came to him. Uh, They came up to him and took hold of his feet. They could touch him. Uh, This is Matthew 28. And John records Jesus saying to Mary, stop clinging to me. For I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I ascend to my father and to your father and my God and your God. And of course, Thomas was invited to touch Jesus' hand and his side. He had a physical body that could be touched. He's also a physical body that could eat, that could enjoy food. Not that he needed to eat, I imagine that, but he, 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 he ate with his disciples. Uh, we, we see that uh, when he appeared to his disciples in Luke 24, that while they were still not believing because of their joy and were still marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. And so Jesus had a body that could eat, that could enjoy food. Later on, when he appeared again to the disciples while they were fishing, Jesus called them in John 21 and says, Come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to question him, Who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? And Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. And this is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And so we see that Jesus was his own body that was raised to life. It was a physical body that he could be touched, he could be seen, he could be heard speaking, he ate food. Uh, he himself said while he was uh, transformed. the the Passover meal into the uh, Lord's table, uh, into the institution of the new covenant, he said that uh, this is, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So even even in the future kingdom that the Lord would be able to drink uh, and eat food, it is a physical resurrected body. So there was there was a sameness there to, to his body, but it's also very different. His, his resurrected body was also very different from the one that he had on earth or during his earthly ministry. We see that sometimes he was not immediately recognized, that there was enough of a change that people, his own disciples, did not uh, immediately recognize it. Mary did not recognize, Recognized him immediately. Um, She thought he was the gardener um, until he talked to her and she recognized him. The the disciples on the road of Emmaus, um, just really on the day of his resurrection, they were first of all kept from recognizing him. Uh, They were traveling to a village named Emmaus, about 60 stadia from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other about these things which had happened. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself approached and was going with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And then further down in that same passage, verse 30, he says, And it happened that when he had reclined at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it. And after breaking it, he was given to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And so his appearance was, was different, not readily recognized. Um, he could also disappear in a moment, just like we read in the end of verse 31. He says, and he vanished from their sight, which is not what a normal body can do. Uh, or he appeared suddenly, even after, behind closed doors. His disciples were there on the first day of the week. And while the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace to you. Again, he, he appeared he must be able to travel through, through walls or through uh, buildings are not, a, not an obstacle to him. So again, his body is the same but very different. And of course, he visibly ascended into heaven. Uh, And it happened that while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried into heaven. They saw him ascended into heaven. That was his physical resurrected body. So Jesus' own body was resurrected. It was a glorified body. It was a physical body, but a body that was not subject to the normal laws of physics. Uh, he could do things that a natural body can't. And so Jesus' body was similar to his former body, but not exactly the same. And and, and from these verses in the Gospels, we, we find there is an emphasis that the resurrected body of Christ is the same as the body or the same person. It's the body of the same person during his earthly ministry. They, they wanted to emphasize this, that, that the Jesus who was crucified is the Jesus who was raised. The Jesus who called them to follow him was the Jesus who was raised. The Jesus who, whom they walked with, talked with, ate with, lived with for three years was the same Jesus that was raised to life. So, so the emphasis there is believe, have faith that Christ is risen and it is the same Christ who was crucified for our sins. And so the gospel focuses more on the, on the sameness, really, uh, of his body in the gospels, uh, where, where in the passage in 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul was addressing the believer's body, there is a shift in emphasis to more the differences between our body now and what it will be when it is raised to life. So turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and here we'll stay in this passage so you'll be better able to follow along As we go along, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35. Uh, So just follow along as I read. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? You fool, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men, and another flesh of beasts, and another flesh of birds, and another flesh, another of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly one and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For stars differ from star in glory. So also the, resurrected, the resurrection of the dead, it is sown a corruptible body, it is raised an incorruptible body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised, raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a living spirit, a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. And the first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. And just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we also bear the image of the heavenly. And so here we see Paul really, uh, in, this, in this whole chapter 15, addresses the issue of the resurrection to the Corinthians. The Corinthians was a really troubled church, as we have heard before. Uh, they were greatly influenced by their culture, and the dominant philosophy of that culture was one that viewed... The spiritual, the spiritual world, the spiritual things to be superior, to be, to be desired, while the physical was deemed to be inferior, was deemed to be evil. And so it was very hard for them to accept that we would be raised with a physical body again. Um, and some really went as far as to spiritualize the resurrection They had an an over-realized view of the end times. And so they believed that those who are uh, super spiritual, uh, the deeply spiritual ones, have already been raised to life in in their understanding. But Paul really emphasized the bodily resurrection of Christ. And because of that, our bodily resurrection. And... uh, I'm sure after reading this, the Corinthians realized that none of them really possessed a glorified body already. And so Paul starts this letter, and first of all, just say, really uh, encouraging, exhorting them to believe, to believe in the resurrection. Of Christ to believe in the resurrection, the future resurrection of believers, and he starts off by appealing to them. Say, look at all the eyewitnesses. Verses one to eleven of, he appeared to the apostles. He appeared to five hundred people at one time. He appeared even to Paul as one untimely born. Then he went on in verses twelve to nineteen that he uh, really emphasised that if Christ was not raised to life, then their faith was worthless. Their faith was in vain. Their preaching would have been a lie because they are claiming that God raised Christ to life, while in fact, according to them, he did not. Um, Verses uh, 20 to 28, uh, Paul really says that Christ's resurrection was the first fruit of the believer's resurrection. Uh, He's he's sort of the prototype of what our resurrection would be like. And then he went on in verses 29 to, uh, to, to 34 that there were many others before that have believed in the resurrection of Christ. They have actually suffered intensely and even gave up their lives in the hope and the knowledge and in the belief that there is a resurrection, that they will be risen up to, to life again in the future. And so here in our passage in verses 35 to 49, Paul specifically emphasized on the difference, the, 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 the magnificent difference that it will exist between our current bodies and the resurrected body. But the Corinthians asked these questions, how are the dead raised and with what kind of body do they come? Now, for us, it sounds like reasonable questions, uh, Some something maybe that e- we even want to know, but... Um, but these questions from the Corinthians were not asked out of genuine concern. They were really objections born out of doubt. They were really asking, how is it possible for life to come out of death? How, how is that possible? And, and, and what is the nature of the body after the resurrection? Their objections were very similar to what the Sadducees had. They proposed or uh, supposed that our future resurrected bodies will be exactly the same as our bodies here now on earth. But the Lord responded to them and said to them, you are mistaken, not understanding the scriptures, nor the power of God. The power of God, of course, to raise someone to life. The power of God to give As resurrected, glorified bodies. And Paul takes a similar tact here and a little bit more direct, I would say, and he called them, you fool, you are ignorant, you are foolish, you lack sense. Perhaps a harsh understanding or a harsh response in our understanding uh, until we realized that these questions were not innocent, they were actually... Doubts, they were actually disputes, they were actually mocking God and his word in asking them. And Paul is saying, you fool, we are talking here about the resurrection, not a reconstruction. It is not the piecing together of bits of our former bodies, but it is a different body, a glorified body. There will be similarity because it will be our body. But it's not going to be the same body. It will be a glorified body. It will be a heavenly body. And so Paul used three analogies really to to help them understand the differences that there would be. and, And to answer these questions that they may have. And so he says that our bodies will be very, very different to what we have now. And he uses an analogy from the plant world. He says, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else, but God gives a body just as He wished, and to each of the seeds a body of his own and you say the, 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 the picture is yeah, if, if you if you don't believe uh, In the resurrection, then believe in seed time and harvest. Do you believe that? Because if you can believe that, then you should believe the resurrection. You don't understand how a seed that was sown into the ground, this tiny little often ugly looking uh, grain uh, is, is placed into the ground. It seems to die and then it sprouts out up into incredible life, totally different from what was sown. And yet... There is connection there, there is, there is, there is a continuity there. Uh, what, what comes out of the, of the ground is, is, is because of what this type of seed is that was planted. And so, the same, but Paul is saying is the same here for us. Uh, we, are pl- we are sown really as seed. The body that we have now is like a little seed. And what will come up, it will die, it will be buried. But what will be raised to life again is something far more magnificent, glorified, other than what was sown. And then he took an illustration from from the animal world, and he says, all flesh is not the same flesh. And there is one flesh of men and another flesh of beasts and another flesh of birds and another of fish. You see, God created in his wisdom, and because he is marvelously creative, all these different animals, different classes of animals, orders, families, generas, species. And they, they, they are different. They have different kinds of flesh. Uh, for those of us who are carnivores um, and will eat anything that has life in it, <laughs> um, everything tastes like chicken. <laughs> but not, 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 uh, not so. I mean, there are different kinds of flesh. Fish are different from birds. It's different from beast and is different from men. So why doubt that if God can create that, if God can create these different kinds of, of animals in this world, how, why do you doubt that he can do that in the life to come? And they, they were, again, this is a, a, a addressing a, a, an error that was taught uh, by, by some of the, the scribes and the Pharisees who believed that the resurrected body would be exactly the same as the body that was sown into the ground, that was that was buried. They believed more in the reconstruction of the dead rather than the resurrection of the dead. They, they appealed to Job 19:26: even after my skin is destroyed yet from my flesh I shall see God. And so they take that verse and say that must be the literally same body as what was, what was, what was buried should be raised up again so that we, for, in order for them to see God. But, of course, as Paul explains here in this passage, that's an error. That's, that's, uh, our bodies to be raised would be far more glorious, far more wonderful. And so he used this an analogy from the animal world and then from the cosmic world uh, verse 40 says, there are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for stars differs from star in glory. And so he says there is just like there is heavenly bodies speaking about the stars, the sun and the moon, and, and then the earthly body speaking about the earth, they're, they're, There's a difference. The glory of the earth is is magnificent when we look at it. Even in its fallen condition, the world is a wonderful, marvelous place. Uh, But it's different from the glory of the sun. It's different from the glory of the moon. It's different from the glory of the stars. And then he goes on and he says there's even a difference in glory between the stars. And so what he's saying here is, is that our bodies here on earth has, has glory. It is, we, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, we are marvelous creatures made in the image of God. Our physical bodies is, is absolutely amazing. But that has a certain kind of glory. But when we are raised to life, our bodies will have an even more glorious body, uh, just even, even if we can't, hard to imagine even more wonderful and glorious. And he seems to say that, that not all of our bodies would have the same glory. He, he compares the glory of one star to the other star and say they're not the same. And so he may indicate here that we as, as saints, as glorified saints may not have the same glorified bodies. There will be differences among us. Now he doesn't he doesn't expound on that and I don't wanna go beyond what's what is written But we do read in Scripture that there there are certain rewards for those who have proven themselves to be faithful to God. We talk about the crown of exaltation for those who are faithfully proclaiming the gospel. There's the crown of righteousness for those who walk in righteousness. There's the crown of life for those who are willing to suffer for the gospel. And there, of course, is the crown of glory for those who faithfully shepherd God's people. Now, these are rewards that God's people receive. Now, whether that has something to do with the difference in glory between saints when we are raised up, I, I don't know. We, we are speculating here. Um, but the point is, is that the glory of our body here on this earth is nothing to be compared with what it will be in heaven. And so he uses these analogies to show that God is able to create different bodies, different glories according to his desire. The earthly body has its own glory and God will... And is able to glorify our resurrected body body with even more marvelous and wonderful ways than, than our earthly body. And our resurrection body, Paul goes on to say, is, will be better by far. Verses 42 to 49. Paul draws this contrast between what is and what will be between what is buried and what is resurrected. And he uses not the term buries, buried, but he used the term sown. And I, just, I just love that. Because sown means that it will come back to life again. As, as D.L. Moody said that, that when, when, when a farmer buries a bag of wheat... He does not expect to see it again. But when he sows that, he expects to see some results. He expects to see life again. And the same for us as Christians who believe in Jesus Christ. We are really, in one sense, not buried when we pass. We are sown. Sown in God's field. Uh, The Saxon word for, for cemetery, they used to call it God's acre. God's field from which he will raise up those who are his to really a glorious crop for God. And so he uses these two words, sown and raised, in these these comparisons, these contrasts that he draws. He first of all says, the body sown is corruptible, but the body raised will be incorruptible. Again, drawing on this analogy of the seed of being transformed into a plant. The contrast now is our bodies are, are corruptible. They are perishable. From the day we are born, we begin to die. It sounds morbid, but but that's a reality. And our bodies begin to deteriorate, not, not suddenly, but, but steadily. And our natural body is subject to decay, to decay deterioration, to, to decomposition, it is subject to the curse of sin. Not so our resurrected body. Our resurrected body, when Christ raised us to life, it will be imperishable, incorruptible, not subject to the processes of deterioration and destruction. It will last forever, eternal unending, everlasting. And so it is sown corruptible. It is raised up incorruptible. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Verse 43 says, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. The body is sown in dishonor. It is, this body is dishonored because not because it is intrinsically evil, but because it is frail, because it is weak, because it is subject to corruption. It is also our body, this body, that we use to sin against God. That's the way we dishonor ourselves. We, we read in, in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 6, speaking about sexual immorality, that every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral man sins against his own body. He dishonors his own body. And, And Romans 6 reminds us that we should not go on presenting our members as instruments of unrighteousness, but to present ourselves to God and our members as instruments of righteousness of God. So it's in our body that we sin. Therefore, this body that will be sown, is sown in dishonor because of the sinfulness of sin. However, the body raised will be raised in glory, would be glorious. It will have a glory that surpasses this body that is sown by far. And again, we, we, are, we are reminded of, of Philippians 3, verse 21, that, that, is, that it says that our humble state will be conformed into the body of His glory. As Christ's body was raised, so ours would be raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. Our current bodies are amazing. Uh, if you think about our natural defenses, our immune system, it is mind-blowing when I, when I, when I think about that. Really, our healing cap- capabilities, how we heal after we have hurt ourselves, injured ourselves, that, that, is, that is amazing. And yet... Our bodies are weak. Our bodies are plagued with illness and injury and tiredness. We have limited strength. And ultimately, we succumb to death. Currently, we, we bemoan the fact that our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. Not so with our resurrected bodies, says Paul. It will be raised in power. Now, what that exactly it entails scripture doesn't tell us perhaps we will have supernatural strength but one thing can be sure is whatever our spirit desires our bodies will be able to perform no longer are we willing but our flesh is weak we will be willing and our flesh would be able it is sown A natural body, it will be raised a spiritual body. Verse 44 reads, It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And also it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last, Adam, became a living, life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. And just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. And so the body that is sown is earthy. It is a natural body. It is temporal. It is imperfect. It is weak. And the body raised would be a a heavenly body, a, a spiritual body, eternal, perfect, and powerful. But remember again, we are saying that the, the spiritual body, what we mean by that is not that it's not a physical body, but it is a body born by the Spirit of God. And so we see really there is, there's going to be some continuity of, our, of, of who we were. there's also an order or a sequence. It's first the natural body, then comes the spiritual body, and there's a time interval in between that, that once we are sown out, we will remain in the ground until Christ comes to raise us up into life again. And Paul really points to Adam and Christ as our examples, as, as sort of prototypes of the bodies that we, that we have. Uh, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. Really, Adam was, of course, the first man created Created from the earth, from the dust of the earth. He was earthy. He was made from the earth. And God then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And it says he became a living soul, a living being. Paul quotes here Genesis 2:7, um, And so Adam was created earthly. He, was, he had a natural body. He came from the earth. And he was created very good. We read at the end of Genesis 1, 31. Uh, Ideally suited for life on this earth to rule and to reign over God's creation in his stead. And yet, he fell into sin, and through sin, death entered this world. Sin corrupted, sin dishonored, sin weakened this body. And so, subsequently, all men who are born after Adam inherited his nature and received a natural body like his. Corruptible, dishonored, weak. And their souls, that is our souls, that God breathed part of us, that the real you, because of sin, stands eternally condemned, separated from God. And had it not been for God's free gift of grace, sending the last Adam, who is a life-giving spirit, we would all be condemned. And so the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. The last Adam, of course, here refers to Christ Jesus. He was not from the earth. He was from heaven. He existed before he entered this world and took on flesh. And the body that he had with that body, he lived that perfectly righteous life. He lived for God. And he paid the penalty for sin. That body died so that those who believe in him will receive forgiveness for sin and eternal life. He, has, he is the life-giving spirit. Romans five, seventeen tells us, For it is by the transgression of the one that death reigned through the one. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life, through the one, Jesus Christ. A few verses later, verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we really have on earth only two realms, the realm of Adam and the realm of Christ. We are all born into the realm of Adam. We are all born with an earthy natural body that we receive. That comes first. And when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are made spiritually alive. And when we are spiritually alive, that life-giving spirit who is Christ Jesus will give us a glorified, resurrected body at the right time when he returns. And so first, the spiritual is not first. The, The natural is first. And the first man came and Adam came and he was earthy, made from the earth. We are earthy. We, are, we have a natural body. And then we have a man that came from heaven, who is heavenly. And that does, as again I say, that does not dispute the incarnation of, of, of Christ, that he took on human flesh like we have, but that, that he came down into this earth. He was not made from this earth. And as Adam is earthy, so we who are born... In this world, are earthy. We are from Adam. We are in Adam. We are natural, and as the Lord is heavenly, those who are in Him, they will be receive a heavenly body, a body suited for heaven. We will. We are born. We are born into this life, and we bore the image of Adam. But when we come to faith in Christ, we will, in our resurrected body, bear the image of Christ. And that is good news to us. Christ's resurrection, in the Gospels I said, the emphasis was on the sameness of his body. That we would believe that Christ who came and lived and died in our place has risen from the dead. So that we would have faith in him. And when we have faith in him. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 15. That we will receive a body like he had. And he emphasizes the difference of that. That we will no longer be like we are now. Suffering the decay of this body. Suffering from sin. But we will be. Glorified. We will be like Christ. And so Paul really gives us hope hope that we will be changed, hope that we will be transformed, hope that we will be ultimately conformed into the image of Christ. 1 John 3, verse 2 reads Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be, for we know that when He appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And the verse that we began with, Philippians chapter 3, verse 24, Our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. By the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. When you have faith in the resurrected Christ, you can have hope in your own resurrection. And that is what we celebrate today. Because he is risen, we will rise to life. Because he is alive, we can be alive. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your marvelous grace. Lord, thank you for your word to us. Lord, thank you that you have pick up life again. Lord, you lay down your life freely and you have the power and authority to take it up again. Lord, and that your resurrection is proof that God the Father accepts and is pleased with your sacrifice the sacrifice you brought because of our sin, the life you gave because of us. We thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for the for the wonder and the truth, the indisputable fact of your resurrection. Lord, thank you that we may know that even in this life, with all that it is, the pain and the suffering and the hardship, Lord, that with our spirits quickened by faith in you, Lord, we can live with hope, hope that this life is not all that there is, and that one day when you return, you will call us all and you will raise us up to to a newness, to a glorified life, a glorified body, in which we can be with you, in which we can praise you and worship you, untainted by sin, For that, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.